People sometimes say, when I get to heaven, I've got some questions that I'm going to ask Almighty God. You heard people say that? I promise you it's not going to be like that. Read any account in the Bible of a person in the presence of the Almighty and you will find exactly the same thing. They fell on their faces and they were terrified. Welcome to Open the Bible with Pastor Colin Smith. I'm David Pick and Colin, this account today comes from Matthew 17. It's the account of the Transfiguration. Yes, and it tells us that when the uh, disciples heard the audible voice of God thundering from heaven, they fell on their faces. You know, I find this such a powerful reminder that um, it's never for us to sort God out. We're never going to be in the position of telling him what he should have done. He is so great and he is so glorious. And here are these disciples of Jesus. And when they hear the audible voice of God, they're down on their faces on the ground. But thank God that's not the end of the story. Because what the Bible tells us is that Jesus came and touched them saying, rise and have no fear. That's a marvelous truth, isn't it? That one day we will stand in the presence of God and we'll not be cowering. We will not be terrified. We will be able to be at peace in his presence because the Lord Jesus Christ himself will make us stand and he'll be standing with us. We wouldn't have any hope in the presence of God without him. But with him, we will be able to stand with peace and joy in the presence of God to enter the Father's house and to enjoy him forevermore. So this marvelous story is going to point us to this very central truth of the gospel the deliverance from fear that Jesus Christ is able to bring. Let's look at this in Matthew chapter 17. Please join us if you can in your Bible as we continue the message, Confusion. Here's Colin. Jesus is preparing to endure the agonies of the cross. Can you imagine this? He's just told his disciples what lies ahead of him. You would think that this would be the moment where the disciples would step up. They would gather around him. They would minister to him. They would support him. They would read scripture to him. They would strengthen him. They would encourage him. And what happens, of course, is exactly the opposite. Peter blows it and rebukes him. Some help. And so, so what does God do? Well, God the Father sends Moses and Elijah to minister to Jesus, just as, by the way, later in the Garden of Gethsemane, Luke tells us that the Father sent an angel to strengthen him. By the way, here's an encouragement. When Satan uses a Peter to tempt you, God will send a Moses or an Elijah to strengthen you. Look for that. When there's someone who stands in your way and brings great grief and pain to your life, God will send someone else who will be a strength to you, an encouragement and the support. It's his way, and it's what he does here for his son. Now, the two he sent were Moses and Elijah. I mean, how remarkable is that? Because Moses, of course, had died and been buried 1,400 years before the time of Jesus. And Elijah, of course, had been taken up into heaven 800 years before the time of Jesus. And yet here are the pair of them, as large as life on the mountain of transfiguration, and they are talking with 
Jesus. Here is something, by the way, very wonderful for all who grieve the loss of a loved one. Those who have died in Christ are very much alive. Amen? Those who have died in Christ are very much alive. And here, Moses and Elijah, who died hundreds of years earlier, are sent by the Father, and they are talking with Jesus. Now, what did they talk about? Well, Luke tells us that they spoke about his departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. In other words, a clear reference to all that Jesus would endure at the cross. That's what they spoke to him about. They were ministering to him. They were strengthening him as he prepared himself for the ordeal that lay ahead. They were doing what the disciples should have done and clearly did not do. Which, you know, raises this interesting question. What would Moses and Elijah have said to Jesus about his departure? Well, think about this. God gave the law through Moses. And surely the distinct contribution of Moses would be to speak to Jesus about his death in relation to the law. I picture him saying something like this to Jesus. In your life, you have fulfilled all of the law of God that was given through me. No one else has ever done this. I couldn't do it, Moses would have said, and Elijah here didn't do it either. You alone, Jesus, know the blessing that comes to those who keep the entire law of God. And now, you are going to bear the curse of sinners who break the law of God. You're going to stand in their place And the curse that belongs to them will become yours. And the blessing that belongs to you will become theirs. And then, of course, Elijah was known as the greatest of the prophets. And so I expect that when Elijah spoke to Jesus about what lay ahead, he would have done so, spoken of the death of Jesus in relation to prophecy. Jesus, you are fulfilling all the words spoken by the prophets. They spoke of what you will suffer. Yes, but they also spoke of how you will triumph. Yes, you will go through the darkest valley, but on the other side you will enter into an inexpressibly glorious joy. You will be exalted to the highest place. The will of God will prosper in your hands. You will redeem an innumerable company of people from every tribe and nation, and the earth will be filled with the glory of God as the waters cover the sea. Moses and Elijah, the law and the prophets, and they come to minister to Jesus as he prepares for all that he will endure as he goes to Jerusalem. And Peter and the other disciples hear this ministry that comes from Moses and from Elijah to Jesus and to them. They hear what Jesus will accomplish at the cross when the way ahead of you is hard. Rejoice in the work of Jesus 
in the knowledge that he has fulfilled all the law on your behalf and that all the prophecies of a glorious future will be yours in and through Christ Jesus. What do you do when the way ahead of you is really hard? You look at the glory of Jesus. You rejoice in the work of Jesus. And here's the third thing. You rest in the sufficiency of Jesus. Now, again, try and picture with me what, what happens here. Peter wakes up because he'd been asleep, wakes up, and there's this radiant light that is beaming from Jesus himself, and then he sees Moses and Elijah. By the way, how did he know that they were Moses and Elijah? We're not told. Did Jesus make the introduction? Did uh, Moses and Elijah introduce themselves? Did Peter just know intuitively? We, we don't know. But he knew that it was Moses and Elijah. By the way, if someone asks you the question, will we know one another in heaven? This is not a bad place to point for an answer. It's very clear that these are not two kind of anonymous people. This is Moses and this is Elijah. And they're right there and they're speaking with Jesus. Resurrection body anticipated. Notice what Peter said. He said to Jesus, Lord, it is good that we are here. If you wish, I will make three tents here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. And I love the fact that Peter clearly has learned from Jesus' rebuke. He calls him Lord, and he says, now, if you wish... So the presumption that was there earlier that we looked at last week is going away. And he's now submitting himself to what Jesus wants because Jesus is Lord. But he has this suggestion. And Luke adds some detail that I think helps us understand what is happening here. Luke says that as the men, that's Moses and Elijah, were parting from him, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is good that we are here. Let us make three tents, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah, not knowing what he said, uh, Luke adds. Uh, by the way, usually when you don't know what to say, the best thing is to say absolutely nothing. But that was not Peter's style, and uh, he, he comes out with, with this statement. Now, notice the significant piece that Luke adds to the account here. Peter said this, as the men were parting. So God sends Moses and Elijah to minister to Jesus and to the disciples, and now God is taking these men away. And Peter doesn't want to let them go. So hoping that he can hang on to them a little longer, he's saying, let's build three shelters. Let's, let's keep Moses and Elijah here. That's what he's saying. Now that leads to this question. Who is the Moses in your life? Who is the Elijah in your life? You're listening to Open the Bible with Pastor Colin Smith and our message, Confusion. In a moment, we'll look at why those questions might be significant for us to answer today. 
The message is from our series, Authentic Discipleship, and if you miss one of our broadcasts or if you'd like to go back and listen again, you can always do that by going online. Come to our website, that's openthebible.org.uk. There you can download any of the messages which we've broadcast up to this time. You can also find the messages as podcasts if that's a more convenient way for you to hear Pastor Collins' teaching. You can find the podcast if you search for Open the Bible UK on your regular podcast site. Subscribe to the podcast to receive regular updates. Back to the message now. Here's Colin. Who is the Moses in your life? Who is the Elijah in your life? Who are the people who to you have been perhaps for a long time gifts of God who have brought strength and comfort and support and blessing? And if God takes one of these people away, you won't want to let them go. Now, every person who walks through the dark valley of bereavement knows what this is like. So I want you to see from the scripture what happens next. While Peter was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And a voice from the cloud said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. Now, do you see, while he was still speaking, so this is the direct answer of God the Father to Peter's proposal. Peter wants to hold on to Moses. He wants to hold on to Elijah. He wants to continue drawing strength and comfort from these men who have ministered to Jesus and to him. But the Father is taking these men back up into heaven, and the Father is saying to Peter, No, not from these men, but from my son. This is my beloved son. Not these men. This is my beloved son. You must listen to him. What an amazing moment this was. The awesome presence of God in the Bible, you often find this, the awesome presence of Almighty God drawing near in a cloud. And here you have the Almighty speaking from the cloud in an audible voice, just as he did when the law was given at Mount Sinai. And here he says, this is my beloved son. I am well pleased with him. Listen to him. You see what's being said here, Peter? Moses and Elijah have ministered to you. They have brought great help. They have brought great strength. They have brought great comfort to you. But Jesus is infinitely more precious than any Moses or any Elijah. Listen to him. Here is a truth for us to remember when someone is taken and we don't want to let them go. Jesus is the gift of the Father to you. In him you have all that you need. And Jesus will never be taken from you. And that is why it's so significant that in the very last verse of this story, verse 8, we read that they lifted up their eyes and they saw no one but Jesus 
only. They don't have Moses. They don't have Elijah. But they do have Jesus. And in Jesus, they have all that they need. Now, we're looking at what you do when the way ahead of you is hard. You, you, you look at the glory of Jesus. You rejoice in the work of Jesus, all that he's accomplished for you, fulfilling the law and the prophets. You rest in the sufficiency of Jesus when someone who has been a means of strength and comfort to you is taken away from you. You find your sufficiency in Jesus. This is God's beloved son. You must listen to him. And then the last thing, of course, is that we listen to the words of Jesus. And of course, the words that Jesus spoke on the mountain are in verses 6 and 7, and they're full of significance for us today. When the disciples heard this, that is the voice from the cloud, they fell on their faces and were terrified. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, rise and have no fear. Now, notice what happens when the disciples know that they are in the immediate presence of the Almighty. These men see the cloud of God's presence. They hear the audible voice of God, and they fall on their faces in absolute terror. They were terrified. And we would be the same. You know, people sometimes say, when I get to heaven, I've got some questions that I'm going to ask Almighty God. You heard people say that? I promise you it's not going to be like that. Not for any one of us. Don't think for one minute that when you get to heaven, you're going to hold God to account. He's going to hold you and me to account. Read any account in the Bible of a person in the presence of the Almighty, and you will find exactly the same thing. They fell on their faces, and they were terrified. When God drew near to the prophet Habakkuk, he said this, My heart pounds... My lips quiver, my legs tremble. When God drew near to the prophet Malachi, he said this, Who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire. So the disciples fall on their faces terrified. And notice the next word in this marvelous verse. Thank God for this. Thank God that the verse doesn't end with them falling on their faces terrified. There'd be no hope for us if that was the end. But Jesus came and touched them. Rise and have no fear. Do you see what this is telling us? That Jesus makes it possible for forgiven sinners to stand in the presence of our holy God. And years later, and this is the last thing today, years later, when Peter's an old man and he's getting right to the end of his life, it was this story of the transfiguration 
that he called to mind when he anticipated his own departure. Let me just read to you from 2 Peter these words of Peter at the end of his life. He says this, I know that the putting off of my body will be soon as our Lord Jesus Christ made clear to me. I, I, I know that I'm not long for this world, he's saying. And I will make every effort so that after my departure, another way of describing his death, you may be able at any time to recall these things. What things? For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For when he received honor and glory from God the Father and the voice was born to him by the majestic glory, this is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased, we ourselves heard this very voice from heaven, for we were with him on the holy mountain. Now think about this. Peter knows that he's not long for this world. I'll soon be leaving the body, and I'll be entering into the presence of God. And of all the stories that he could have called to mind as he anticipates that moment. This is the story that comes to his mind and that gives to him assurance in his own heart as he faces the prospect of his own death. Why this story? Well, because on the mountain of transfiguration, he had already had a taste of what it is to enter the holy presence of the Almighty. And he knew what Jesus would do when that happened. When I put off this body, when I depart from this world, I know exactly what's going to happen. I will enter the holy presence of Almighty God and Jesus will place his hand upon me. Jesus will say, rise and have no fear and all will be well. And that's a word of hope to finish the message today. It was part of the series Authentic Discipleship, looking at the life of Peter. And don't forget if you ever and don't forget if you missed any of the series, you can always go online and catch up or go back and listen again. That's at openthebible.org.uk. Open the Bible is supported entirely by our listeners. That's people just like you. If that's something you haven't done up to this time, but feel you'd like to begin doing it, we have an offer for you this month. If you are able to set up a new donation to the work of Open the Bible in the amount of £5 per month or more, we'd love to thank you by sending you an Advent devotional. It's called The Coming of the King, and it's by J.C. Ryle. Now, Colin, how might we benefit from reading this book? Well, it's a book to help us prepare for Christmas. 
And Christmas is not only the most wonderful and joyful time of the year, it's also for sure the busiest time of the year. And uh, we all have relentless schedules as we move into these next weeks that lie ahead of us. So if you're looking for something that would give you in just a very short space of time some rich nourishment to focus your mind and your heart on the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and all the hope that is yours in him. This book by J.C. Ryle, The Coming of the King, I think will be absolutely ideal and wonderfully helpful to you. It gives in just a couple of pages a glimpse of the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ for each day leading up to Christmas. You can use it over a period of 25 days. I love reading Ryle. He's so clear, he's so warm, he's so Christ-centered. And you will find this nourishing for your soul in the relentless busyness of this season. The Coming of the King by Bishop Ryle. I'm going to be reading it again as we go through Advent, and I hope that it will be a blessing and a joy for you as well. And we'd love to send you a copy of this book. As a thank you for setting up a new donation to the work of Open the Bible in the amount of £5 per month or more. Full details on our website, openthebible.org.uk. You've been listening to Open the Bible with Pastor Colin Smith. I'm David Pick, and I very much hope you'll join us again next time. What are the challenges that face faithful believers in every generation? Find out what the book of Malachi says next time on Open the Bible.